Let's see what the stew has for us today. Welcome to the Gnomecast, Gnome Stew's tabletop gaming advice podcast. Here we talk with the other gnomes about gaming things to avoid becoming part of the stew, so I guess we'd better be good. This episode is brought to you by our awesome Patreon backers like the bodacious Bob Fleck, the fantastic Fabrice Bulakia, and the stupendous Scott Adams. Today we have myself, Ange, along with a couple of old school gnomes, John and Phil. Before we dive into the main topic, though, let's ask our get-to-know-a-gnome question. What kind of gaming did you do when in college? How stable was your regular group? And what games did you play most? Phil, I'm going to start with you. Sure. I'm probably the anomaly to this. And so I gamed all through high school, right? I gamed through middle school and high school consistently, right? Like weekly. When I got to college, I did not game during the semester. I, yes. I I didn't really get into the gaming group that was on my campus, but I had a regular group uh, every break. So as soon as I went home on break, uh, we would immediately start gaming. And so that was what, the 90s? So I, I, I played a bunch of, uh, for sure, I played a bunch of Palladium. But the biggest thing I ran during the summers was uh, Amber Diceless. Now, did you have like a, a campaign that you would like, run and then put on pause or did you just start up a new thing every every break we for amber we played two campaigns we played them through the summer the first campaign i ran i was running twice a week i was running it wednesdays and fridays which was for in terms of prep and stuff brutal right like i was yeah. never not prepping the game especially in the 90s when when the the prep was you know it's like you you did a lot of work oh, for your prep I was not an improv I was not that much of an improv GM and Amber is a really um wide open game so there was a lot of work these are the early anxiety experiences <laughs> that made you a prepless GM it's like, I mean it made me learn to you know it got me to never unprepared right like <laughs> this was the work that led to never unprepared um but yeah I so what I would do is like just before semester would end I would call up the guys at home because this was like you know pre-email so I would call up the guys at home and be like hey, hey I'm you know gonna be home next week and we would immediately just jump right back into playing so that part was really cool but yeah, that not, cool. no gaming during the semester, which is probably why I did so well in college <laughs> and later say. not so great in grad school when yeah. I did game during grad school. I, I, I appreciate your, uh, your, your perseverance <laughs> there, I guess. Yeah. How about you, John? So I, I did not really start gaming until college. Um, you know, I, I was never quite allowed to play. You know, there wasn't a group my parents were comfortable with around, so... I didn't start gaming till college, and then it was uh, me, my old roommate, my old roommate's new roommate, a person <laughs> we knew, and then another person we knew who came in and uh, joined together. And, and, you know, somebody started running a game, and it was D&D 2nd Edition, and, you know, we played all the old school tropes, and it, it was phenomenal, but it was also one of those things where it's like the GM was uh, was a dick, um, you know, <laughs> would would do the combative style GMing, but like out of nowhere. So everything would be going great. And then it would be like, and for no reason, this horrible thing happens to all y'all. So I, I think that was a formative experience that made me be like, no, I'm going to make this super fun. Like, I'll make it hard, but I'm not going to just take stuff away from players like. It definitely turned me into a bit of a Monty Hall GM sometimes, but, you know. Now, did you play, did you play multiple times a week or just once a week? 
we often played like one weekly game and then we'd all be like, hey, you want to play tonight? Like, and if the schedules lined up, we would, you know, throw in an extra session sort of thing. I do have friends who did fail out of college because of their excessive gaming. At, yeah. uh, actually, at RIT, they, they kind of like, yeah, I gamed Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Friday and Saturday. And I'm glad it never got to that point. Um, Our RIT is brutal for that because it's it's a hard school and it's a high concentration of nerds with similar yeah. interests. Yeah. And uh, that that's close to where you went, right? Mm-hmm. RIT. So, so what about you and your college gaming? So... I didn't start gaming until late high school and then uh, actually took a, I mean, it wasn't called a gap year. It was Ange didn't get it accepted into the only school she applied to, so couldn't go to college that first year after high school. So kept gaming with the high school group during that time. And then when I got into actual college, my game master joined the army reserves and was going to be gone for six months. And oh God, what do I do? I need gaming. I can't live without gaming for six months. So I found a a fledgling game club in college, which didn't really go anywhere. We were just given a room we could meet in and then we just kept hanging out together. And out of that, I started gaming with the same handful of people. And we gamed twice a week, Wednesdays and Fridays, and we played Champions. <laughs> ah, to be youthful again. Champions yeah. two times a week. So that's what? Two times a week is what? Like one combat? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't that bad. It wasn't that bad, but it was close. It was, uh, you know, and, and the funny thing was, is like, my only experience up to that point had pretty much been D&D and staring longingly at the Shadowrun book. <laughs> I never played anything other than D&D. So when I get there and they're like, we play champions. I was like, I don't know that system. It's like, don't worry, we'll help you build a character and it, it, it'll be fine. And that was the experience that taught me that, oh, oh, this hits, this hits my, my sweet spots much better than D&D does because I can build whatever I want. I don't have to be pigeonholed into this class system. And we're actually role-playing, and who the character is actually matters. I mean, compared to what I do now, that wasn't quite as true as I thought it was, but it was still, like, it opened up the doors to say, your game doesn't have to be what D&D was at the time. And D&D at the time, like, I came to hate second edition. <laughs> like I despised second edition. I had no desire to play D&D whatsoever. And it wasn't until 3.0 came out that I was like, oh, they opened it up a little bit. I can be a little more creative with the character I'm making now instead of having to be this very pigeonholed concept of what the character was. That was exactly my experience. Me too. Actually, that same arc. At least that's the way the, that group used to do it. So, But let's get into our main topic. So here at the Stew, we can talk quite often about one-shot games played at cons, but let's be honest about how valuable and stable an awesome regular game group can be. Thing is, time stands still for no one, and game groups are going to change and evolve no matter how hard you try and avoid it. And I know the three of us, we've had to deal with various changes to our home gaming group, and I thought it might be an interesting topic to bring up and share some advice on how to handle these things. So, Phil... I think yours has slowly changed over the last few years. 
So I had my gaming group shift, oh, probably five or six years ago. Now, looking back on it, we were pretty traditional gamers for a long time, right? Like playing a lot of D20, uh, playing a lot of just, you know, what I think would be, you know, just considered, you know, trad, traditional games. And then slowly I started to kind of get into indie games, right? It wasn't really until Powered by the Apocalypse that it really took, but Mm -hmm. like I was dabbling with indie games for a while. And just about the time when Apocalypse World um, and PBTA and Fate and all of that took off is when I met Chris. So 2010. And uh, Chris joined my game group. That's almost a decade ago now. Right? I know. So never mind. This this shift has been is almost a decade old now. God, that seems so long. Anyway, (laughs) so what happened was Chris joined the group. And I think this is the thing we're going to talk about, right? So no matter how gelled your group is, the second you add or take a person out mm-hmm. of the group, you de- you have destabilized the group and it has to find its own new normal, right? So Chris joined yep. the group and ultimately that new normal meant that a couple of players left the group because they wanted to just continue playing traditional games. They really wanted to just play crunchy, you know, player crunchy, mm-hmm. 3.0, things like that. And the rest of us were rapidly moving towards lighter games, story games, games with high emotional content, things like that. And so mm-hmm. uh, over time, uh, like my group made that shift. And now and now, like a decade later, now that you've put it in context, thank you. Um, <laughs> now, a de- now a decade later, it's interesting because it's I haven't had a change in players, but the group is kind of while we still love our indie games we've actually shifted a little back towards the center because we're playing a lot of uh, free league mm-hmm. games which i think free league games are more traditional than they are story but really digging them right like really digging uh, uh forbidden lands and tales from the loop things from the flood and stuff like that and i'm playing my beer and pretzel game that i run uh bi-weekly is uh dungeon crawl classics <laughs> which is about as traditional as you can get you know what i i, I will argue that because a lot of people haven't really torn apart that book that game is first of all probably the best d20 implementation of a fantasy game it's probably i shouldn't say the best it's my favorite it does away with all the things i didn't like about that i got annoyed with about 3.0 mm-hmm. and streamlined it out even though it doesn't look streamlined because the book looks stupid big but trust me that more of that is because it's supposed to evoke a feel than that the game is actually complicated. The game's yeah. actually really simple. Anyway, yeah, it, it definitely shifted over time. And it did, in my case, re, the shift required some people just to leave. Like there were people who did not make the transition and ultimately we just stopped gaming with them. Which, you know, is sad because I liked gaming with those people, but I didn't want to play the games. I didn't want to run the games they wanted run. Right. And they didn't want to play the games that I wanted to run. You know, and that, that 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 happens. That's about it, right? Like that's that's you know, there's no real fix for that. Now, John, how about you? I know you've you've gotten involved in some groups and some meetups and stuff like that. Have you found a like a solid, stable new group to to game with regularly, or are you still like hunting for that? Yeah, I I, I think I have. Uh, so speaking of a decade ago, um, you know, I have been moving around a lot in my life and life has just finally kind of stabilized in like, oh yeah, I'm in a job I'll probably be in for a while. I own a house rather than like living in an apartment, then moving to Mississippi, then moving to a new apartment in Mississippi, then moving out of Mississippi, then moving to an apartment. You know, like, like there aren't a lot of like big tumultuous changes like that on the horizon, 
So I, I've kind of been able to build a much more steady group. And I've been doing that through meetups, which I enjoy because I enjoy playing with new people and seeing like, oh, what's this person's style like? And what I'll often do is I'll, I'll go to a meetup or, or I've got a meetup group that I run myself and I will check and, and run a one shot and then see how it works and see if I really like the group. And then some people will come back, others won't. And I'll, I'll try a group out for like a three month campaign. And if it was really fun and everybody got along phenomenal, I'll, I'll like see if they want to go for more. And, and I think I hit the the gaming jackpot with this last group because Every Final Fantasy joke I made, they all got. <laughs> like, like we're all just like, you know, playing stuff out. And somebody's like, yeah, so I want it like this, but like this. Or my name is, you know, going to be like this. And I'm like, that's a reference to Final Fantasy Tactics. They're like, yes. And so so I'd be throwing in little jokes and, you know, things. So, so they, what, what that boiled down to is they all had that same, oh, we love D&D, but we want a little more high fantasy. We want a little more magic. But, you know, we, we had the same play style. So... You know, I made I made the invitation to to turn it into like another three month campaign. <laughs> like, okay, went through that. You know, finally made sure everybody was kind of cool. Nobody seemed like a, a crazy psycho or um, as had happened before when oh, getting boy. into an innocuous <laughs> conversation about Star Wars and somebody being like, "Yeah, I think the Empire has it right. The Empire is the one who knows. Everybody should follow the Empire." And then it's like, all right, I don't think this person is a white supremacist. But they're definitely authoritarian, and it's like other people in the group, you know, people of color in the group got a little weirded out by them and, and sort of like tone deafness. So, yeah, so I'm like, all right, nobody in this group is like that, I don't think. So, so yeah, so I finally invited them all back to my house because I, I felt everybody was, was pretty safe. And, you know, it has turned into a, a wonderful group. But like you said, Phil, like, it has been shaken up a few times by like some people working holiday retail season. Mm -hmm. Well, now we have to move back down to like three people. And there's sometimes those people who are like, you're, you're the kick down the door person. They're like, we're just going to make stuff happen. And they kind of counterbalance the, well, what if we do this and plan this and, and let's go, you know, we want to chew on the scenery. Like it changed the group balance and we keep having to like readjust as people can show up or don't show up. So it, it is very interesting because even with the solid stable group, the game can vary from, you know, session to session. If not, everybody shows up. Oh yeah. I've been gaming with the same core group since 2004 and there's four of us that kind of started in that original group and kind of around the four of us, things have, grown and changed and, and we've had people join and become, you know, more permanent members of the group and other people come and go. And the reason I brought this topic up is for the first time, one of those four, four people is leaving. Uh, you know, one of the guys is he went through a divorce this year and he, you know, is involved with somebody who lives in Columbus instead of Rochester. Yeah, I'm and, stealing them. You know, they're, they're coming to me. I, I know. I'm, oh, yeah. He's coming to you. Yeah. In fact, I believe he's showing up this coming Wednesday at yep. whatever social event is happening. At uh, Cat RPG Social Night, uh, where we're watching the Gamers movie. <laughs> and uh, he's uh, he basically, he got a job in Columbus and he's moving. And I mean, as a result of the divorce and all the changes that have been happening in his life, he had been less consistent with gaming as it was, but it's still like the fact that he has now gone to other places is like, well, that that's a major change for the group. 
you know, you have to deal, you know, you have to deal with what do you do with his characters, you know, and the fact that you're missing that person and it, it changes the dynamic. We're, we're actually um, just going to talk about that on Tuesday on this directed <laughs> yeah. mark about character loss and death. Yeah. It's, it's, you can't like, so it's unavoidable, right? Like every, yeah. like there, and there's no, there's no, you can patch the holes Mm-hmm. But you can't prevent the holes, right? Like, right. like these things are all going to happen and these things all have to be dealt with, which was going to go to one of my tips that the best time, if possible, to change up groups is between games mm-hmm. because you avoid all of these. And the other tip, which John gave, which I don't think John highlighted, but it was really good. I am also a huge advocate of playing in public spaces when new players arrive. Like, let's let's test drive a few games out at Panera cool now you don't seem you know like now that we kind of all know each other and we're gelling cool come over to my place like here's our like let's play a more stable campaign like i don't think there's anything wrong with a test drive mentality i was talking recently with uh with some of my friends that i game with and one of them is is younger she's in her mid-20s you know she was not around to game in the 80s like some of us and i was talking about the fact that there's a reason people started saying, you know, gamers started saying in the 90s and into the early 2000s, game with people you would be willing to have over for dinner. Yeah. You know, it's like there, there's, there was a lot of putting up with bad people, uh-huh. you know, to game because people didn't know how to, you know, how to cultivate a healthier game group. You know, so it was like there was a lot of that. And it's like, it's, I think it's, it's better now that we we know how to kind of, you know, or we, we talk more about making sure that your game group is one that you're willing to have at your house for more than just gaming. That you're willing to socialize with beyond the gaming. Because putting up with somebody who's just not a human you enjoy is like, that's not worth a game. No, and and one thing that I I think that's really interesting about now compared to in the '90s or in the '80s, and like you know Phil said back before there were email and stuff. Now we can actually find different people as opposed to like you know here here's yeah. my small town of Maslin. Hey, you're the four people around, you know. Right. And and my parents didn't let me do D and D when I was younger, and I don't think that was necessarily a hundred percent because of D and D and the Satanic Panic, but but there was a little bit there. But it was because everybody around who was in gaming was 28 and 29, and mm-hmm. I was 14. And they were like, no, that's not going to happen. And that was probably a very smart decision. But like, oh, these are the people around. This is my group. Whether I actually like them or not, because I'm going to game, you know. But now it's like, oh, hey, I don't like these people. Let me go back on the meetup. Let me throw back in the Facebook for... Dungeons and Dragons. Let me mm-hmm. throw in the Facebook for you know group for a uh, story games Columbus, and then be like, cool. Who who's around? You know what? I like that person. There's just more opportunities to meet and try mm-hmm. out relationship. I think there's also a degree of if you want to if you want to cultivate that solid game group, even with changes that happen, you have to be willing to step up and be an organizer. You know because these things don't. These things don't happen and stay happening without some care and and maintenance. You know, I have 
my game group is kind of held together solid because there's two of us in it who are like, no, 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 gaming, gaming, gaming. I want to game. I need, I need to game. Come on, let's get the game going. Um, and the both of us are kind of the same. So he's always like pushing. When are we gaming? When are we gaming? What are we playing? Just running. What, what do you mean you're not running? You need to run a game. Of course you could run a game. You're a good player. You can run a great <laughs> game. Um, and I'm like, when, you know, when are we gaming? I'm sending an email. You're all going to respond. You're going to tell me when we're gaming. We're all agreeing to this date. We're going to show up at this place at this, you know, it's like, this is the reason my game group, which is kind of splintered into two game groups, but that's, you know, that's also part of game gaming groups change, but it's like, we stay on top of things. We, we stay in communication and we make sure we all know, Hey, we're adults. We have busy lives but we want a game. So we need to make sure we're carving out the time for this. Yeah. My game group runs on, um, we have fixed dates. We have fixed dates and times. Um, there's a calendar for it. So there isn't really that much negotiation about when we're gaming. Cause it's fixed. It's more like we have to deal with the interruptions like, Oh, I'm going mm -hmm. to a convention. Cause, cause my group games on Sunday evenings. Yep. Cause it's the, with kids and work and everything else, it is like the one time that no one has anything to do is a Sunday evening because your kids are in bed and nobody does family things late Sunday night, that kind of thing. So we game Sunday nights and uh, more often than not, we just have to deal with schedule disruptions where like everybody's kind of tuned in. And the other part that you mentioned is I have been since I was, uh, I think since I was in eighth grade, I have always been the GM. So I GM 90% of the stuff that, that I play occasionally other people will run stuff, but I'm pretty much like the solid, like, no worries. I'll like, no worries. I'll run something for us. Like there'll always be a game. Cause I will always run something. At uh at, at the meetup that I just started organizing to get more people in Columbus and in gaming, you know, or connected. You know, here's five bucks. This is your first drink, snack, whatever. But that is is wholly selfish so that like, oh, people are actually throwing their games in here. I can play in that game rather than like, I'm going to run a game every session, you know. But yeah, you have to kind of push to keep people organized and push to get other people in the groups GMing. Because if, if you're the person, people are like, oh, yeah, well, we'll let them, you know, we'll let Angela go run a game. That's fantastic. She runs great games. And then Angela is the one who runs the games all the time. Yeah, that that was my 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 friend that was like, when are you going to the one that pushed me into GMing? It was because, yeah, he, he likes GMing. GMing's fun, but he also likes playing. And if you don't encourage other people to run, you don't necessarily get to play. Um, so we've got we've got several of us that take turns running games between the, the like two halves of the group. Going back to, you know, gaming group changes, we ended up with a point where we had too many people. We had, you know, we had a core solid seven of us. And then one of the folks, his wife stepped back from gaming when they had a baby. The baby was now six years old and she wanted to get back into gaming. So all of a sudden our seven became eight. And then his cousin moved to town, who's a great person that I enjoy gaming with. So our eight, our eight became nine, and it was like, this is too many. This is too many. So we basically, we, we kind of split into two, and there's some of us that are in both halves, but it, it basically helped maintain, for those of us that want to game weekly, we're gaming weekly, and for those that want to game every other week, we've got options. So yeah. that actually helped the group 
a lot. So it's like you have to you have to be willing to organize and you have to be willing to adapt. Yeah. Because people's lives change. I think that I think that that's a perfect summation. You have to be willing to organize, you have to be willing to adapt. Like that that's what you need to form the group and keep them together. Yeah, and if and if other people aren't doing it, um then you may have to be the one who who does it, right? Like Sometimes people get kind of uh, jaded about it or whatever, but the truth of the matter is that in all groups, so group gaming groups and teams of people at work and stuff like that, there are people who uh, naturally fill leader roles. There are people who naturally fill support roles and things like that. And if you're a leader type, right, like I'm a leader type, right, I'm a project manager at, you know, at my day job and, you know, all of that stuff. It it often falls to me to organize the game group to mm-hmm. um to keep it running or whatever. And there was a time like there was a time like I don't know fifteen years ago where I was like really annoyed about that. Like, why does it have to be me who does all this work? And I tried to just like let it slip and see like, well, other people will pick it up if I don't do it. Like it was a <laughs> terrible idea, right? Like the group got like all jacked up. It was like a complete mess. And it was like, okay, cool. We'll never do that again. Like it's like waiting for somebody else to empty the garbage. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Like it's just going to pile up and be a mess. Yeah. I bought new garbage cans instead. Right. So, <laughs> yeah. So I, I mean, yes, it's going to be more work and it doesn't necessarily have to be a GM thing, right? A, a player can easily be the rallying point for keeping a group together and, and organized. But somebody in the group is going to wind up with that role. It's usually never completely distributed. Like it, like you said, it's like for Ange, it's like two people. For me, it's primarily me who keeps it going with with the players doing a really good job of poking me. Like if I get busy, they'll just poke and be like, hey, we're still on for this week. Right. And I'll be like, yep, we're still on. It's this time. Come to the house. You know, that kind of thing. It's sort of like any group organization. You need the creatives. You need the business manager. You need the support roles like you know i i'm phenomenal at the first part and like hey are we gaming this week everybody's here we're down for this email me your notes but when it gets into the game i throw everything out the window and i'm just like blah 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 things are happening and then i'm like wait what happened last week so now like you said that support role hey i will give an extra inspiration point to whoever bullet point notes for me so i remember what happened you know <laughs> remember what i did right so i remember like oh i i'm throwing this new thing at you of course you're fighting a dragon and then next week i'll be like what did i do compared to what i had planned i will also say if you are not the leader or the organizer or the support person but you can recognize that those roles are happening in your group support those people yeah you know recognize their value i um with the number of cons I attend and with the advent of easier online role-playing, I have a secondary group. It's my, my con group, and I am not the cat herder for that group. Uh, my, my friend Laura is the cat herder for that group. So I recognize that value that she's the one that's keeping that thing going. So I will reach out to her and see if she needs anything or ask when things are happening to make sure that she knows that I appreciate that she's the one that keeps that section of my gaming life going. And I don't have to be the one that's in charge of, you know, making sure everyone is in the right place at the right time. And it's, it's frustrating. So support your people who do that. Yeah. Yep. hundred Absolutely. I think we've, we've covered pretty much everything this topic needs to cover. Is there any last words uh, either of you want to add to the conversation? 
Yeah, I guess I, I would say no matter how long you've been gaming, no matter how stable your group is, at some point it's going to change. Mm-hmm. Like life events, um, whatever. So you should always, I don't want to say you should always be prepared for it because I don't think you should be sitting there waiting for people to leave your group. But I think that when it happens, you should just one, recognize like this happens. Sometimes it completely sucks that somebody's leaving, that kind of thing. But then just recognize, like, when it happens, you have to do something, right? There's there's no mm-hmm. such thing as a person leaving and a group being completely the same. Like, it's always different. And so sometimes it takes just a little bit of adjustment to to adapt to that person. Sometimes it takes a lot of adjustment depending on the role they played. But the second you sense the change in your group, get ready to kind of help shepherd the change and get to that new normal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I would say the, the number one thing I think for any social experience that helps smooth things along is communication. You know, like if, if there's a group that's, you know, having changes or somebody's not showing up, communicate. You know, don't just assume something's going to happen or, you know, like you said, and I laughed hilariously, like, oh, if I stop doing the project manager stuff here, somebody else will pick <laughs> up this slack. Right? Right? Nope. It, does, it doesn't work that way. You know, I, I've had a ton of bad experiences that way like i'll let somebody else handle this for a while like communicate that you know talk to them you know and that's what i think will keep a group strong or will shepherd in that necessary change like you said phil like hey why why haven't you been showing up or you seem like you're not as interested well now you actually know and and can get that you know channel open where you can start addressing an issue or or moving stuff along to a place where it's better for everybody And I'll add, um, this is probably verging into another topic, so I won't go into it too deeply, but when you add a new person to replace somebody who's gone, you got to make sure they're cool with the rest of the group. You can't, you know, it's, it's a group experience. And if you have a solid group treating it as like, well, I'm the one running the games. I can add whoever I want to play means you're going to lose players. So make sure that, you know, you you vet the people you're you want to add to the group with everyone else that you want to keep in the group. Yeah. And and, and I think what that means is that if you have a super established group and you're now going to try to add someone in, you actually have to go back to the public model. Right. Mm-hmm. Like you have to be like, cool, we all know that we can hang out together at my place and do whatever. But we're going to add this other person. So guess what? We're all going to Panera. We're all going to hang out and. We're going to hang out with this person and then we're all going to come back and decide if we enjoy hanging out with them and they're going to figure out if they enjoy hanging with us. And if everyone's a yes, and it's got to be everyone's a yes on both sides, then we can talk about having this person come game with us back at our regular group. Yeah. To, to add to that, you sometimes have to work past people's, at least for me, you know, Midwesternness or, or social niceness, you know, hey, everybody cool with that new person? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They seem fine. Really? Are you sure? Because to, to, to go back to my, my mock horror story, you know, everybody was kind of cool. Like, yeah, no, like people didn't feel like they could speak up about it until I went and said, I noticed some weird things. Are you all OK? Do you notice this? And they're like, you know. Now I feel okay saying that. So you kind of have to open, like, it's okay. You can give your negativity. You can give your judginess in this. If you if you feel uncomfortable, say so. And I think that's a time when it might be worth going to each person individually. Yes. If you know they're going to do that Midwestern, no, no, it's fine. 
go to them individually where they might feel a little more comfortable. Between you and me, safe space. Nobody else has to know you have, you know. Secret ballot. Yeah. Like, I'm putting up a Google form. Everybody can click yes or no. (laughs) We don't even have to know who doesn't, who isn't comfortable. Right. One person not being comfortable is enough. I had a major upset in my gaming group several years ago because we had a player who asked us to play. It was when fifth edition first came out. So we were going to play the Minds of Fandelver, the box set, the initial box set that came out. We were going to test the waters, see how the game worked and all that. And she asked if we could play with this friend of hers who wanted to try gaming. And we're like, yeah, sure, we'll give it a try. And at the end of the session, she was inviting this person into our gaming group. (laughs) And I couldn't stand this person. So I am not from the Midwest. I'm from (laughs) New York. And I basically let it be known that that was not cool. You are not allowed to do that. No, he cannot have a character in my campaign. And it kind of blew things up. And she ended up leaving the group. And, you know, but it was like, no, you can't do that. You can't assume that it's going to be okay to add somebody without making sure that everyone's going to be cool with it. Yeah. Yeah. absolutely like because all you're going to do is further disrupt the group right you've added Mm -hmm. this person in and you're like yay we filled in that spot only to have somebody else leave because they aren't actually okay with that person or the group having to put that person back out on the street and like now the group's in disarray again like the, the you should not rush to restabilize like you should not rush to fill in your numbers, right? You mm-hmm. should, your effort should be to stabilize your group. And if that's to stabilize it smaller temporarily and then bring around another person, like filling in the seat at the table is not always the best first thing to do. Mm-hmm. All right. I, I think we should start wrapping this up <laughs> yes. so that uh, Rob doesn't take off his do rag, become Mr. Abrazado and throw me in the pot. Yes. <laughs> So, this show is funded by the Gnome Stew Patreon. You too can become a Patreon backer by following the Patreon link on the Gnome Stew website, Gnome Stew Patreon. This ad is brought to you by the Essential Cat Herder Kit. All the core items you need to help herd cats or any group of people that's about as consistently reliable as a herd of cats. Whether you're organizing game night or deciding where to go out to eat, you need to know how to herd cats, and this kit is for you. (laughs) If you're enjoying the Gnome Cast, you'll probably like many of the other Misdirected Mark shows. Here's one to check out. Pandas Talking Game. Phil and Senda answer your questions about RPGs from the perspective of one-shots and campaigns with some panda silliness. You can find all of us at gnomestew.com, at gnomestew on Twitter, and gnomestew on Facebook. Gnomes, where else can we find you on the internet? John, go! Oh, uh, fine. Uh, you know, if you look up John Arcadian, you will find me, although I have been a Twitter hermit lately, and I am on Facebook, so uh, the best place to find me right now is trolling Star Citizen forums, because that's <laughs> usually where I am. But uh, I, I am on Twitter and Facebook is John Arcadian. So, Phil, how about you? Uh, you can find me primarily at DNA Phil on Twitter, but you can also find out the things I'm doing um, at Misdirected Mark and uh, at Encoded Designs, which uh, is also things John does as well. Oh, throw the business plug in there, business manager. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, he and said he does that. Right. And 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 where do people find you on the Internet? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram as orikes 13 O-R-I-K-E-S-13. I will warn everyone, though, and I give this warning every time. Instagram is mostly just pictures of my cats. That's an incentive, not a warning. And table selfies. And table selfies. Table selfies. So many table selfies. I love my table selfies. <laughs> so, 
I think we need to ask Rob, hey, did we avoid the stew this week? <laughs> Mr. Abrazado, did we avoid the stew, please? Please edit this down, please. Gnomecast is hosted by Misdirected Mark Productions, the media arm of Encoded Designs. Yeah, and 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 I I, I hate to extend this. Sorry, Rob, um, <laughs> but.